I think, however, for the children that we work with, they experience such high levels of stress and trauma on a very regular basis as a result of the challenges in the communities that they face. In the communities where they live, there's very high levels of unemployment, substance abuse, gang violence, a lot of young people dropping out of school and getting involved in the gangs, falling pregnant. And I think that on an immediate level, things like yoga and meditation really help the children to deal with the stress and trauma that they face. Welcome to the tribe. This is your weekly podcast from Tribe Sober. Whether you're already sober, striving to be sober, or just plain sober curious, you need a tribe. You need a tribe because it's so hard to do this alone. You need a tribe because you need support. And that's where we come in. Here at Tribe Sober, we've got your back. Here at Tribe Sober, we have people at all stages of the journey, all helping each other to stay on track. On this podcast, we've got recovery stories to inspire you, experts to inform you, and plenty of advice on how to ditch the drink and change your life. So here's your host, tribe leader, Janet Gorond. Hello and welcome to the Tribe Sober Podcast, episode 195. My name is Janet Gorond. I'm the founder of Tribe Sober and I'm your host for this podcast. Here at Tribe Sober, we help people to change their relationship with alcohol and then to go on and actually thrive in their alcohol-free lives. And over the last eight years, we've helped thousands of people to do just that. And we created Tribe Sober because we know from experience it's really hard to change your drinking habits alone. You need to find a new tribe Because social norms are so powerful and that's why connecting with others on the same path will keep you on track and inspire you to keep going. So at Tribe Sober we're all about community. It's a community where everyone strives for an alcohol-free lifestyle and many of our members are already thriving in their sobriety and inspiring others. Each week we feature a community voice, just to give you a flavour of the awesomeness of our tribe. So the WhatsApp group was fantastic to realise I'm not alone. There's people that I can resonate with that, that thinks and feels the same as I do. And the Sober Spring Challenge ended on the 5th of November. And I thought, oh, great, that's it. I'm now Miss Sober forever I can do this and then I actually missed the conversations and on the 8th of November I took out a membership because I can't go without the connection. So if you'd like to join our warm and welcoming community just go to tribesober.com and hit join our tribe. And don't forget to check out our dry January fundraiser which will give you a flying start to the year. And we're also offering a free webinar on the 12th of January. It's called Kickstart Your Sober Year, and that's exactly what it'll do. On this webinar, I'll be explaining why so many of us get stuck in our drinking and how to get unstuck. How to make 2024 the year you ditch the booze and begin to create an alcohol-free life you love.
You can find all the info about the fundraiser and the webinar on our homepage, which is tribesober.com. So as we go into 2024, I'd like to wish you a very happy new year and thank you for following our podcast. And as it's January, of course, our thoughts turn to dry January to our annual fundraiser. This is the ninth year we've done the fundraiser and thanks to our generous donors, we've raised nearly half a million rand over the years. And that money has provided the gift of yoga to more than a thousand underprivileged children. And if you're wondering why a disadvantaged child would benefit from yoga, then you're in the right place to learn more from my two guests. First of all, we'll hear from Jana Kretzmar, who is the founder of the Earth Child Project. Jana is an amazing woman. And in fact, she was recognized as such by Santam as she received the Woman of the Future Award. After Jana, we'll hear from Tribe Sober's campaign manager, Karish Chiringa, who will say a few words about his role in the Dry January Challenge. So let's begin by hearing from Jana, who began by introducing herself. So to introduce myself, my name is Jana Kretzmar. I'm the, the founder and director of a non-profit organization called the Earth Child Project. Started way back in 2007. I, I live in Cape Town with my husband and two young boys. How on earth did you get this amazing vision to create Earth Child? How did it come to you and did you imagine it evolving as it has? Just take us right back to when you had that light bulb moment. When I finished high school and I started studying anthropology and psychology, and I think especially social anthropology at the University of Cape Town really, really inspired me to want to be part of making a difference in the world. And after completing my undergraduate, all that I knew was that I wanted to make a positive difference. And I had a feeling that my dream job didn't exist and I'd have to create it. I decided to first travel. So I worked for a year and saved up. And then I went traveling in South America. And during my travels, I ended up living and volunteering on an eco-village. And it was really there that for the first time, I met other young, like-minded people who were practicing holistic lifestyle habits, like practicing yoga and meditation and growing their own food and living in community. And I suppose during my time on that eco-village, it really gave me hope that us as a species, have the capacity to live in a more balanced, peaceful, and harmonious way with each other and with the natural world. That really inspired me to want to try and create that back home in South Africa. And another part of that puzzle was that while I was at the eco-village, I read a book called Autobiography of a Yogi. And it's by Paramahamsa Yogananda, who was one of the first Indian yogis to bring yoga and meditation to the West. 
And in this book, I think it's just one page where he describes a school that he'd started in India. And he described how children did the regular academic subjects, but very often they would have lessons outside under the trees. And in addition to those subjects, they also learned about things like yoga and meditation and environmental sustainability and how to grow their own food. And it was really that one page in that book that planted the seed of the idea that grew into Earth Child Project. I I had worked on summer camps and been a facilitator with children, and I was very passionate about working with children and also had really experienced the, the benefits of practices like yoga and meditation and the power of positive thinking. And it was so beneficial and it's such a wonderful practical tool for life. So this page in Autobiography of a Yogi together with wanting to make a difference, together with living on this eco-village and experiencing that we really can live in a different way. All those things combined led to the initial idea. And I was actually so excited to come back to South Africa and get started that I moved my ticket forward a month. And I volunteered at the school for a year, getting to know the children, the teachers, the context. And I would run some yoga classes and I'd get feedback and I'd set up a garden and I'd get feedback. And it was really through that year that a very important aspect of the Earth Child Project model was created through observing that there were many NGOs coming in and out of the school during that year. And because I was volunteering throughout the year, I would see they would come and they'd run a workshop and then they'd put up posters and give the teacher a manual and they would leave and nothing ever happened. Because the teacher's I think probably all over the world, but especially in South Africa, they're incredibly stressed and overworked and this just added to their workload. And so that really inspired me to see if we really want to make meaningful, sustainable change, it needs to be a long-term intervention and we can't just hand things over to the teachers. We need to work together with the school. And I had that initial idea of, okay, we could put a a facilitator in the school and they work together with the teachers and they build relationships and they implement these elements of yoga and life skills and health and wellness and environmental education. Very soon after having this idea, a friend of mine who ran an NGO shared it with one of their donors who was Earth Child Clothing. And they loved the idea. They were a, a local organic children's clothing brand. And they really felt that it, it resonated with what they did and their values. And they offered to pay the salary of that first facilitator. Earth Child as a name so beautifully summed up what our vision was and what we did. And the next year in January was when Earth Child Project began. That was back in 2007. You're listening to a podcast from Tribe Sober. Such a beautiful story, Jana. It, it was as if it was meant to be, wasn't it? You've got your travels, you've got that one page in the book, and you've got finding a school, and it, it was just meant to be, wasn't it? Just the way that it all fell into place so beautifully. 
I think it really was an experience of following my gut and intuition and and seeing how when you want to do something that's in line with your passion and purpose, but also for a greater good, there was so much support from so many different people and organizations. And when I got back from South America, I never in a million years thought that I was going to be starting an NGO that would still be going 13 years later. I just knew I had this idea and I wanted to start a little project. And I think it was, yeah, just taking one step at a time and learning as we went along. Now, when I look back and I I see that we fell into that approach of working together with local partners and letting the model grow very organically. And I feel like that has ended up being a a great strength of the organization. Uh, And just talk to us a bit about the different programs. So there's obviously the yoga and then there's the, the gardening and the worm farm. I think that what we do can seem like a strange combination of things. As you said, there's yoga, there's gardening, there's worm farming. But how I often describe it is it's holistic education and practical experiential education. Our our vision is that if we can support children to really connect to themselves, each other and the environment, then they will better care for and love and protect themselves, each other, and the environment. And really wanting to give children practical tools and knowledge in those areas of self, health and wellness, community, and the environment. We have a yoga component of our programs, but it's much more than just yoga postures and meditation. We teach children about their physical and emotional well-being. And then there's the environmental component, again, wanting it to be practical. So we have worm farms in the classes. We teach them how to grow organic food in containers. We take them out of the township communities and onto the mountains to really give them an experience of the natural world. And all of those programs take place. We have a living classroom program, which is during school hours and linked to the national curriculum. And then we also have an after school program where we have yoga and eco clubs and leadership building clubs. And those are really an opportunity for us to work with smaller groups of children. And then we have the hiking clubs and camps. And then what's evolved over the years is a very strong leadership training component. Yeah, yeah. And I just love the stories about the little children who then go on to become teachers. And the fact that your young leaders, some of them are involved in the Earth Child Project, aren't they? Yes. So you've known your young leaders since they were (laughs) tiny. Since they were small. That has really been an incredibly inspiring addition to our team and our programs over the past few years. Talk to me a bit about the funding because of Earth Child Projects. I know that you're a pretty tireless fundraiser yourself and uh, I think you've got donors from all over the world, haven't you? How does all that work? Yes. So it's um, the never-ending journey of supporting the work that we do. And as we grow and expand, so does our budget and the need for funding. And so 
about 50% of our funding comes through big established foundations and trusts. And then a component of that is also businesses. So there are local corporates that we get funding from as well. And then this year, actually 50% of our funding has also come through what we call individual giving. So I think it's really important as a nonprofit to put your eggs in lots of baskets. I think it really strengthens the sustainability of the organization to not heavily rely on one source of income. And so we've really grown our individual giving. And what we mean by that is we have local and international individuals who sign up to be monthly donors. So even if it's 100 rand or 5 euros or whatever amount, it's really an incredible support because it just provides that monthly source of income. And just as we build long-term relationships with our schools and the children we work with, it re- it's such a core value to Earth Child Project is building long-term relationships. And I think that's something that we have experienced as well, how wonderful it is when you work together over the years and all sorts of exciting things come out of that partnership. So, for example, part of our individual giving is people like yourself who set up campaigns and help to crowdfund and and it all adds up and makes a huge difference. And so it's really a part of Earthshire Project that we are excited to grow. Yeah, that brings us nicely to our dry January challenge, doesn't it? Yes, it's incredible. (laughs) We've been so grateful for the ongoing partnership and then the relationships that form as a result of that and and you coming out to the schools and getting to meet like you said you met Soso all those years ago so you also getting to see how these earth children are growing up and joining the team I also think that there's such an alignment in the work that you do and dry January in terms of just really trying to support people in their journeys to wellness Uh, physically, emotionally, psychologically. So it's really these networks and and ecosystems of people all working together for something greater and more positive. Every Saturday afternoon, we open up our Tribe Sober Zoom Cafe. It's a safe space where our members can connect, check in, and just shoot the breeze about alcohol-free living. If you'd like to be a guest at the cafe one Saturday, just drop us an email at janet at tribesober.com. That's Janet, J-A-N-E-T, at tribesober.com, and we'll send you an invitation. Yeah, I've been thrilled to be able to introduce your organization to so many of our people and people that have done Dry January. We send them little videos, and they're all blown away by, by what you do. So in case there's any of our regular donors listening, just remind us all what kind of things that money is spent on. Yes, it's what an incredible amount for over those years. It's a very substantial amount of funding. And because there is the connection to yoga and health and wellness and and life skills, and we have use that funding for our yoga and life skills 
program and it is 250 rand to sponsor the the weekly yoga classes of one little yogi for one whole year and so that funding has supported over 800 children to go through our living classroom yoga program which is it's quite hard to actually imagine that but it's a lot of little yogis getting a lot of support not just the yoga classes but like I said we teach them about how to boost their immune system and life skills and emotional intelligence and all sorts of things that is where the dry January support has gone into our living classroom yoga program over the years and supporting over 800 little yogis most people understand the, the value of the holistic benefit to the children and the fact that that's so sustainable. But occasionally somebody will say to me, but these children, don't they need help with clothes and books and school fees? So talk me through how I should best answer that. <laughs> um, I think it is a valid question. And it is a question that we also get asked from time to time over the years. And there are a number of different reasons why we've chosen to have things like yoga and mindfulness as part of our program. The long-term benefits of yoga, there are physical, mental, emotional benefits and increased well-being that anybody would experience. I think, however, for the children that we work with, they experience such high levels of stress and trauma on a very regular basis as a result of the challenges in the communities that they face. In the communities where they live, there's very high levels of unemployment, substance abuse, gang violence, a lot of young people dropping out of school and getting involved in the gangs, falling pregnant. And I think that on an immediate level, things like yoga and meditation really help the children to deal with the stress and trauma that they face. So we get lots of feedback from children and teachers saying, I'll give an example. I'll never forget. We've had teachers say, I don't know why, but on the days when you do yoga, like the children's maths improves and they're a lot calmer and more focused. And it was teachers who said to us that uh, the children, for example, in Lavender Hill, almost on a daily basis, there's gangs fighting and gunshots and things like that. And how can you be in a state to learn and focus when that's what's going on around you? And so I think just very practically, it is a tool to help to just carve out a little bit of calm and peace and stillness in their day-to-day -day lives. But then I think almost on a greater level and in, in, in terms of the long-term impact is that we really want to support young people to reach their true potential and to rise above the challenges that they face on a daily basis in these communities. And I think something that we could take for granted is just that every young person is encouraged to dream and have a vision for their lives. And a lot of the young people that we work with, they don't necessarily have anyone who's saying, like, what is your dream for your future? And I believe in you. But the first step in that is that they need to really connect with themselves and increase their 
confidence and self-respect and the belief that if they set a goal, they can achieve it. And we've really seen that through the yoga and life skills program, young people have had an opportunity to really get to know themselves and come to love and respect themselves and create a vision and believe that they can achieve that. And so for me, yes, those other things are important, the basic needs. But I think to really break the cycle of poverty, there's more that's needed. And for example, we've had young people, one of our gap year interns, for example, told me that she often spent her time playing with her younger sister. And when I asked her why, she said, all of my peers dropped out of high school, they fell pregnant, they on drugs, and I don't want that for my life. I'm making different choices. And I don't want to fall pregnant. And the reason I don't want to is because through yoga, I learned to respect my body. And so I'm making different choices because I love and respect my body and I want a different future. And I remember the first time getting that feedback, it totally, like it gives me goosebumps still because it made me realize the extent to which I had underestimated the impact of something like yoga and meditation because I didn't fully understand the the challenges that these young people face and how it actually takes a huge amount of courage and strength to choose a different path when you live in these communities because there's so much pressure from every direction, from all around them. There's so much pressure from their peers to be making bad choices. Yeah, and they they see you as a a permanent entity that's in their lives and that they can rely on and role models. And in fact, you counterbalance the negative peer pressures that they see. They can see that there's something different going on. Mm. Okay, Janet, that was inspiring as it always is to talk to you. Thank you so much for supporting us for all these years. As I mentioned earlier, our our work is largely possible because of the support and long-term relationships and ongoing commitment to support our work from individuals like yourself. And I know that it's no small task to run Dry January. It's a really big project. And I think every year we just are really blown away by the way that you and your team go above and beyond to make it such a success. So we are really, on behalf of myself and the team, just if I can say a very big thank you for the multiple ways that you support and promote our work. Thank you. So let's switch to my second guest now. Tribe Sober's campaign manager has been helping me to run our dry January challenge for the last few years, but this year he's running the whole show. So I thought it was about time I introduced Parish Turinga to our listeners. My name is Karej Chiringa. I'm from Zimbabwe. Uh, I was born in Harare. After my high school, then I came to South Africa, where I redid my high school again in 2013. And I've been living here ever since. 
obviously through the time that I've been studying here, that's when I met you and a couple of people and now my newly wedded wife. <laughs> yeah. I think it was the very first year that we worked together that we went out to the Earth Child Project. And yeah. I just wanted to ask you what, what your first impressions were, because it's it's quite something, isn't it, to, to yeah. go out there and, and see their work in practice? It, it was quite beautiful to watch. You actually realize that there is uh, a lot that the, these kids are actually gaining from the whole experience, right? I'll, I'll give an example for myself, also coming from a township where, you know, my parent would be working the whole day and she doesn't even have enough time to sit with me uh, to do schoolwork and all that stuff, uh, or even just having conversations. So just being there and seeing these kids happy and doing yoga, gardening, just the excitement, knowing that they're in a safe place. It's just a beautiful experience because it's not something that these kids get to go through often because at home it's not the same. Yeah, that's exactly what Jana was saying when I talked to her earlier, just that it's a moment of peace for them just to sit yeah. in a yoga class. It has wonderful benefits. So let's think about dry January. We're recording this on the 19th of December. So how much have we raised so far? Let me just confirm, hopefully there is someone that has added now. Yes, we are on 10,837. Yeah, 10,837 uh, 10, and our target is 30,000. Okay, that's pretty good, I think, for late December, isn't it? Because we've got the whole of January and most of our donors wake up in January, don't they? They're, they're just busy <laughs> yes. in December and they think, okay, new start, fresh start, new year, let me do this thing. Let me boost my own health and happiness and let me help a child as well. So we usually get a fantastic response. And I think you yes. saw Carly's email, didn't you, that we, over the years we've raised nearly half a million rand now. So yeah, that, is, that is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So if we do reach our target of 30,000 round, which I'm quite confident, uh, how many children will that sponsor? Just explain uh, to people that are listening that aren't familiar with the project. What, where does that yeah. money go? Yeah, so it's it will be 120 kids uh, that will be sponsored with the 30,000. Uh, so what we're doing is 250 rand uh, sponsors a child. And so for every donation that uh, someone makes for 250 rand, a well-deserving child is actually getting assistance from the eighth child. These kids, they do life skills. They are taught to take care of their bodies, respect themselves. They are taught to be good leaders in the community. They are taught how to handle life in general, which is quite amazing because these skills is not something that they just get today and then it's done. It's something that they will carry on for a lifetime and they will also impact it with their friends and their families. Yeah. So it's like a, a nice ripple effect. A, a nice yeah, and what do our generous donors get in return for their donation? Oh, yeah, they get to do the dry January, start a year fresh with people that are going through the same process. You get to detox. You get a nice daily motivational email from us. 
You can also be part of the WhatsApp group where you get support from all the individuals that are doing the, the program and you also get the assistance from myself, Janet and everyone that is part of the Earth Child program, which makes it much easier because you're not doing it by yourself. When you're doing it with other people that are going through the same thing with you, then it makes it, makes it much easier. In the interview that I did earlier this month, she was asking me if it's just a couple of days or the full 30 days. So just having someone that you can go and say, guys, this is how I'm feeling today, and then they motivate you, it makes it much easier and less daunting than doing it on your own. Yeah, that was the TV interview you did, wasn't it? Yeah, it's quite yeah. funny. I remember doing a, a Cape Talk interview a while ago, and he said, is it okay to be sober-ish? <laughs> the <laughs> fact that a whole month without alcohol for some people. But I, I can identify. I remember some of my dry Januaries that I tried alone. They lasted till about the 6th of January, and then I thought, oh, I can't do this. But if you're with yeah. a group of people, it makes a huge difference, and that's what I'll try sober membership and community is all about being with other people so we don't feel alone in this exactly awesome. yeah. i think it's important for people to take a break in december we eat unhealthy a lot drink quite a lot take a lot of sugars and it's that time of the year where one needs to focus on the goals that they want to have throughout the year and i think it's quite nice to start it without having alcohol and eating healthy and strategize on the things that you want to do at the same time making it a good year for a child that is there in lavender hill or kailicha and yeah it, it makes a big difference you taking care of yourself and you're doing something nice for someone else yeah. what a way so win-win yeah <laughs> yes exactly a win-win you feel good about yourself and you feel good also about doing good to someone else yeah and, and i think i just need to say this it's something personal if it wasn't for someone else who donated to the education that I did, I wouldn't be here. The fact that someone else decided to give to Tiba the school that I went to, it actually made a difference because I'm now here. It wouldn't have been possible. I wouldn't have been in this position where I've managed to study a Bachelor of Business Admin, a postgrad in entrepreneurship, and now currently doing an IT degree. It wouldn't have been possible because from where I'm coming from, we couldn't afford that. It's something that we would never dream about doing. But someone's generosity made that possible. And it's the same with the, with the people that are donating to the Earth Child Project. These kids will also become good, outstanding citizens that will be championing the lifestyle that is much better and showing in the community that you can do much more than just being engaged with alcohol, drugs and violence. Thank you so much, Jana and Courage. It's been wonderful to help Earth Child over the years and watch them go from strength to strength. So let me pull out some key points. 2023 will be the ninth year that Tribe Sober has collaborated with the Earth Child Project for the Dry January Challenge. Founder Jana Kretzmar told us how she came up with the idea to start the project in 2007 and why she thinks it's been so successful. She got her inspiration from working on an eco-project in Brazil and reading a book by a yogi about a project in schools in India. 
And she realised it was important to partner with the schools and the teachers for the long term, not just come in with short-term projects, which she'd seen for herself were not sustainable. A child clothing company paid the salary of their first facilitator, so that's how they got their name. We talked about the power of positive role models in communities and how she's developing young leaders. Earth Child provides yoga classes, gardening lessons, eco-clubs, hiking clubs. The goal is to connect the children with their bodies and the environment. The children who benefit from the Earth Child project come from communities with high levels of gang violence and unemployment. Yoga provides a tool to help them cope with stress. And some of the children who started yoga classes when they were just six years old are now young leaders working in the Earth Child Project. After Jana, we heard from Tribe Sober campaign manager Courage, who told us about his visit to the Earth Child Project and how he saw for himself how the children were benefiting from the various activities. Coming from a disadvantaged background himself, Courage explained how his success in life is partly due to the generosity of his supporters. And he has every intention of paying it forward and helping his community. And he knows that's what our sponsored children will do. Courage reminded us how the fundraiser worked and that just 250 round, 12 pounds or 16 dollars will sponsor a child for a whole year of yoga classes. So whether you're in need of some support or just want to help an underprivileged child, then please go to tribesober.com and you'll see our fundraiser on the homepage. So help us to make our ninth annual fundraiser the best one yet. We'd be so grateful. Let me finish by reading out a message from one of our chat rooms. This one's from Aileen in Scotland, who found us on one of our boot camps. Today marks 14 months alcohol-free for me. I feel like a new woman. I'm genuinely so excited about the New Year celebrations, and I know that if anyone in the household gets worse for wear, I'll just escape for some quiet time. I've got my favourite alcohol-free fizz, which I love, and I still get a kick out of having a glass and then driving. And I get so much more done these days. There have been a few stressful points, and I know there will be more. But instead of reaching for a wine, I now put some oils on my wrist and inhale, or put them in the diffuser. I'm not shy at telling people I don't drink now. Passing a year has emboldened me. I would say that the majority of reactions seem to be reflective and even sometimes envy. Maybe the tide is turning out there. Thank you, Aileen, and well done. And that's a great tip about inhaling some essential oil from your wrist. So if you'd like to connect with Aileen and the rest of our community, just go to tribesober.com and hit join our tribe. So that's it from me. Thanks so much for listening and I'll be back next week. Ditching the drink is like climbing a mountain. It's hard, it takes courage and grit and an experienced guide. And that's where we come in. Here at Tribe Sober, we've climbed that mountain and we know the view from the top is amazing. 
We've used our experience to put together a unique membership program that will support you all the way. We've got challenges, chat rooms, sober buddies, trackers, and milestone awards, and that's just for starters. So head on over to tribesober.com and check out our membership program. It's the essential resource for anyone looking to ditch the drink and change their life.